Face podcast is presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast. Providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co at P-O-D-G-O dot C-O. And be sure to add our podcast in the How Did You Hear About Podgo section of the application. All right, everybody, welcome to episode 78 of the Fantasy Timeline, a proud member of the Dynasty Addicts Podcast Network. I'm Josh at Real Fantasy TL. I'm with my main man, Bill at Super Duperflex. Bill, happy Cinco de Mayo, brother. How you doing? Hey, good, man. Uh, I haven't had one drop of alcohol today, so um, yeah, I haven't been able to celebrate, but I guess my coffee will have to do. How are you doing, my man? That's good. That makes one of us. I have my uh, my tequila seltzer here, <laughs> so uh, I'm I'm getting in tune with uh, with my Cinco de Mayo ness, and uh, we'll ask we'll ask our guest here uh, if she's been celebrating Cinco de Mayo yet. We have Katie Flower, the diva of Devi. Katie, how you doing? I'm doing great. I'm really excited to be here. I really appreciate the invite, and absolutely. Uh, I'm going to make up for Bill, the super duper flex dude. Um, I'm going to, I've been having some margaritas and a couple of tacos. And then now I've got my, my diva crown, crown and coat. So I'm sipping slowly, enjoying it. She's got a crown. We might have to call her the queen of Devia after this episode is done. Every diva needs her crown. That's right. Hey, listen, I'm not going to argue with you because when it when it comes to Debbie, and especially this time of year when we're all uh, rookie draft season, we're all in our drafts. We're trying to trying to find the guy that we want. We're trying to you know wheel and deal, and you know we all want our you know Trevor Lawrence's and our our Justin Fields. Katie's like. Katie's like, uh, where's my Austin Watkins at? Where is she she's looking at real the real deal uh, guys that we probably haven't even talked about because she's known about them since they were in the sixth grade. So uh, we're playing we're playing checkers out here. She's playing chess. But uh, let's uh, let's get into the news, uh, dude. The draft started not with Trevor Lawrence getting drafted one, but with the news that Aaron Rodgers is fed up. He's pissed off. He wants out of Green Bay. So, you know, who knows if that'll actually happen. But just just for the, the fun of it, Bill, we'll start with you since you are the uh, the Lions fan, the Green Bay rival. Where would you want to see Aaron Rodgers go, whether it's for personal reasons or for fantasy reasons? Well, for personal reasons, I'd like to say the AFC. Um, <laughs> but... Yeah, I mean, if he was going to go somewhere, I mean, obviously it would have to be somewhere that has 
you know, the tools to compete right now. He's not going to want to go to, I don't know, pick. He wouldn't go to Detroit. Let's put it that way. So, like, I'll, I'll pick them. So, I don't know. I mean, the rumors to to San Fran and Denver make a lot of sense, I guess. Um, I think I would like to see him in Denver just because of all those um, wide receivers and, you know, see what he could do with, with that. Um, and I think the scheme might be, you know, I, I don't know if Rodgers is necessarily the kind of guy that's going to work really well with Shanahan. <laughs> like it <laughs> seems like they might have different ideals and both, you know, super uh, strong personalities. So um, I, I think I'd be interested in seeing him in Denver. What about you, Katie? Earlier today on Twitter, I saw somebody post and I don't remember the name, so I apologize, but they posted that, Vegas had taken down the odds of will Aaron Rodgers get traded. And now they've got the Denver Broncos as like the high favorite for the landing spot. So I think there's more than just a little bit of juice to that rumor. I think that John Elway is working his magic and it looks like from what they posted, and I again, I, I apologize that I don't remember the source, but it was either NFL Network uh, or Ian Rappaport. Um, somebody had said that the terms of the trade were Drew Locke and like the next two or three firsts plus, you know, this and that. But even still, trading Drew Locke is like nothing. Okay, let's face it. He's... Not quite a wash, but he's not I don't I really don't believe in his overall package. And so Aaron Rodgers with those weapons and that defense, I think that that could happen. John Elway, you know he's relentless, and you know that Vegas wouldn't put a bet on something if they didn't have an inside source. Yep. Yeah, yeah. that'd be oh, crazy. Ahead. I'm just gonna say. I'm just saying that would be like insane. Like all my Broncos fans would be stoked. Well, and, why, and the crazy yeah, why wouldn't you be? I mean, he's still a young guy. He's way younger than you and me, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, is he? And then I'm like, well, he is younger than me. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, the AFC West would be insane, though. You you'd have Patrick Mahomes, you'd have Justin Herbert, you'd have Aaron Rodgers coming into town. You can say what you want about Derek Carr, but he, he's a good quarterback. I mean, he, he's not a bum, you know. He, I mean, yeah, he's he's the fourth out of those four. But man, that's just like that. That every team is scoring like 30, 35 a week. Just and, and you know, Katie, you mentioned that you know they actually have a defense there in uh, in Denver, you know, and their their first pick at nine was. Uh, was Patrick Sertain Jr. So, you know, they, they bolstered it, you know, throughout the draft. Yeah, that would be crazy. I don't know besides Denver, because that just seems like, like Bill said, with those weapons, I mean, you have Sutton, you have Judy, you have the, you know, you have yeah. the Tim Patricks, the KJ Hamlers. Then you then you go to, you know, the running backs, you know, right now they have Melvin Gordon. They have they just drafted Javante Williams. Yeah, tight end. They got, you know, Albert O, who I mean he did flash the, the games that Fant was hurt. 
and obviously Noah Fant. I mean, it's just like, geez, how do you stop those weapons guided by Aaron? I mean, Aaron Rodgers has been putting on masterful offenses with Aaron Jones, some of Devontae Adams when he's healthy, and, you know, Jamal Williams when Aaron Jones is, is hurt. So it's just like, to go from one extreme to the other would be would be kind of crazy. And you'd have a lit Aaron Rodgers who wants to set the oh, world yeah. on fire. He just yeah, he'd be MVP. like right. He was the MVP. You pair him with John Elway, and you know, it just isn't that the most John Elway thing to go out and get Aaron Rodgers? I, I just yeah. I, I I really could see that it that it would happen. And then the question is lock or love. Well, and that's actually where I was going to go with this. So <laughs> awful. Like that would be like, I still don't think that would diminish Devonte Adams, but everybody else would be marginalized on that team. Yeah. That's, that's the thing. Like I, I was going to ask, actually ask that question. Like who, who would win that job? Like, is it the guy who's been there a year, you know, and got a feel for it a bit? Or is it the guy who Bill, I've I never think, liked personally? <laughs> I don't think you asked that question correctly. I think it was more who doesn't lose that job more than who wins that job. Because, I mean, yeah, Love has a year in the offense, whatever, fine. But, you know, second string snaps throughout the season, uh, you know, you ain't, you ain't doing all that much, you know. You throw here and there when Aaron Rodgers needs to uh, take a sip of water, and that's about it. So, I mean, geez. That, that's almost like asking, you know, do you want to get punched on the right side of the face or the left side of the face? It's going to suck either way. Like, I mean, okay, who cares? Like, I, you know, I was just kind of thinking about this. Do you think that's – I mean, what's what do you even put the, the likelihood of this? Like, I get that the odds, if he changes teams, Denver looks like the favorite – but that still doesn't necessarily mean that it's even likely to happen. Like, I think that like, like if I'm green Bay, there's no way I'm letting that happen. You know what I mean? Like, and I, or is this just all a ploy it for him to get an extra year of money? You know, like, I guess that's my biggest thought is like, there's no way I'm going to let that happen if I'm green Bay, because my team's built to be, you know, compete this year. And, and I guess it's all about, I mean, obviously Green Bay knows Aaron Rodgers better than any of us ever will. But, I mean, I guess, I guess they have to look at it and say, is he serious? Because if he says, I'm going to retire and go host Jeopardy or just live in my big house with my, my beautiful fiance for the rest of my life, I've made hundreds of millions of dollars, I can do that. Then good point. they should make the trade because it's better to get even if it's Drew Locke and three firsts and other picks and maybe a defensive player or two, that's better than just getting nothing. Maybe I think it's $23 million Aaron Rodgers would have to pay back from signing bonus money. I think he has that lying around somewhere. I think he would be fine to do that. And, you know, I, but if you think it's just a bluff, then yeah, say, all right, do what you have to do. Call the bluff and, hope that he's not being serious but yeah that that's a tough one because none of us know i mean this could all be like you said bluster to get an extra year or he could seriously just be pissed off and ready to go when a when a guy is 
getting older and still has it and doesn't want to retire and doesn't want to leave their team. Like I think he really in his heart does love green Bay. He, I think he loves his teammates. His teammates have tweeted, he's not going to retire. So from a fantasy perspective, we can rest well with the knowledge that this dude's going to be playing somewhere, whether it's green Bay, Denver, wherever he's going to be playing somewhere in 2021. I don't think he's going to just flat out retire. I think he's got, even though he's a diva and I apologize for all divas out there because (laughs) he's not the real diva. Yeah. I mean, he's acting like, like, uh, but anyway, um, I, I don't know that he's going to retire straight up. I think he really does want to play. He's just trying to use his leverage yeah. because he's aging and he wants to just stay with Green Bay. He's trying to get them to, to make a commitment. Like, think about it. You're married for a long time and then they bring in this young, good looking second round, you know, first round, second round pick. Mm-hmm. And they don't put weapons around you and it scares the crap out of you. Like all of a sudden your whole stable world starts to crumble around you. Yeah. He just wants some security. He wants to know that he's the man. He just is an MVP. A little positive reinforcement, right? Exactly. It's like, don't put me out to pasture quite yet, dude. I got some playing time still in me. I got some magic in this arm. And Katie, you bring up a good point because, Aaron Rodgers has a real unique perspective because he was that guy many, many years ago when Brett Favre was still slinging it for Green Bay. And I mean, he kind of, he has a unique point of view because he's been on that side of it as well, where it's like, yeah, buddy, like just, you know, wait a couple years. We're, we're grooming you to get ready to take this thing over. Brett is getting old. We're going to get him out. And, he may he may see the writing on the wall just because he was in that spot many many years ago, and he may be like, "Hey, this this is kind of like what was happening when I came to town, and I don't want to be around for that." So it'll be interesting. I, in a way, I, I kind of hope it does happen. Obviously, you know, to like oh, a, me too. A Denver, well, yeah, because you're a Lions fan, but to to a Denver type team, obviously, because we've seen. You know, we've seen Tom Brady just do this last year. He leaves the place that he always played. He goes to a team that has a ton of weapons, a pretty freaking good defense. And, you know, he's throwing a Lombardi trophy from boat to boat, you know. So, I, you know, don't don't know if they're going to be throwing it, uh, throwing it off of boats in Denver. But, you know, he, he's probably looking at it and saying, like, man, we could probably do the same thing here. Obviously, it's a little bit more difficult. You do have – Patty Mahomes in town and you do have uh, Justin Herbert, but he, he probably can see the same thing happening if he goes somewhere with a ton of weapons. So it'll awesome be fun to watch. If you were a season ticket holder in that division, that'd that's be fantastic. Like, I mean, if you're in the, if you can go into a game, I mean, but yeah, that's like the opposite of the NFC East. If you're a ticket holder <laughs> there, you're like, uh, can I give these things away? Uh, but, uh, and then, then the the next and last piece of news, Bill Bill's uh Bill's favorite guy, Carry On Johnson, pour one out for him because uh he got cut. He's uh he's currently unemployed. Even though I'm sure somebody will pick him up just to kick the tires and see if there's anything left in the tank. But man, I remember last year I was telling people to buy Carry On for a third after DeAndre Swift 
got a draft. It's uh, throw your third out there, buy yourself carry on Johnson. And it, it just, it never materialized. So I'm sorry if anyone actually took my advice. I don't think anyone ever listens to me. So I think people are fine, but <laughs> you know. I mean, a third rounder, it's worth the, you know, you know, it was worth yeah. a shot. If you know, if that, you know, blows up in your face, then it's not that big of a deal. So I don't think anyone actually listened. Cause I, I didn't, I haven't gotten heat on Twitter yet about oh, there you uh, go. all the third round picks that were lost due, due to my advice. So, you know, that could be thankful for that, but yeah, he'll be it'll be interesting, you know, as as teams start going to camp, I'm sure someone will sign them just to see if uh see if they could do anything with them. You know, it'll it'll be interesting to see where he signs, but man, it uh I, th- I thought he I thought he was going to be a good one and uh uh Katie, uh what did you what did you think about him throughout? I mean, you probably, you know, knew about him when he was a freshman in college. Were you are you surprised by the way his NFL career has gone, or did you kind of always see this coming? He was never one of those outstanding guys to me in college. He was kind of like a Trey Sermon. He was good at a good at a lot of different things, but not really great in any one particular facet. And he had some decent metrics, but to me the one thing that we could not ever determine until we started listening to interviews, it's the head and the heart. And I do try to scout players and listen to interviews and learn as much as I can about them. He just doesn't seem to have the heart for the game. And I could kind of see even this news did not surprise me. They've got Jamal Williams. And then behind that, then they drafted Jamar Jefferson. And then they, they picked up undrafted free agent Rakeem Boyd out of Arkansas. One of my whoop pick suey boys. And I love Rakeem Boyd, but he didn't test out all that well at his pro day. And he's probably going, if he's lucky to make the team, he'll be a practice squad guy. But it now makes sense that they that they got Jamar Jefferson to back up Jamal Williams and they got Rakeem Boyd for depth so that they could cut on Johnson. The writing was on the wall. I was looking at that backfield thinking, why are they signing undrafted free agents? So it, it, it now... It, it makes perfect sense. I'm not surprised. And I don't see carry on as somebody that's going to stick anywhere with the mindset and the heart that he's got. He doesn't have the heart and the fight and the want to from everything I've heard and seen. Oh, there you go. So carry on. Uh, hit carry the on dusty trail. <laughs> hit the dusty trail. You uh, yeah, out of Detroit and who knows where you may end up. But uh, all right, go ahead. Bill. So, so if he gets picked up by Atlanta, do not freak out about it. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, or immediately make an offer for Mike Davis when it happens. Because yeah. hope that guy freaks out. Right. Yeah. Because dynasty, dynasty is such a fickle thing. A lot of people treat dynasty like redraft and it's, you've got to, see through the highs and the lows and stay with the middle ground. You can't get too, you can't get too high. You can't get too low. You got to just stay middle ground and don't overreact or underreact. That's, that's my best advice for anybody who plays dynasty. Yep. That is the absolute correct uh, way to go about it. It's just learning what that means, you know, and yes, and that's just experience. Right. And it takes patience. I mean, Dynasty is a slow play. 
Yep. It, it's like, you know, when, when she says no at the bar, you got to just keep trying and trying until you finally get the digits, you know, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> sometimes it takes time and the better things come to those who wait. That's the truth. Uh, I, I wouldn't be married right now if I had, uh, if I had taken the initial no as the, uh, as the final answer. So, uh, so I'm with you on that. Yeah. It's funny, you know, they they say it on every football telecast ever. Uh, you know, football is, is a game of inches. But that, that's kind of what Dynasty is. Dynasty is just making like, you know, you make a small incremental change and, you know, you're hoping it's for the better. Sometimes you'll make a big move. But for the most part, it's like I just want to get like 2%, this team 2% better and 2% better. And maybe this trade I made makes it like 5% better. But you're just, you know, working these small percentages until they add up. And then you're like, holy crap, this team is actually really good. But it's not because one blockbuster deal or one, you know, we're in rookie draft season. One rookie draft pick just completely changed my entire team. You know, probably not. You know, like, right. yeah. you know, people, people like, yeah, I, I got, uh, you know, Justin Jefferson late last year. I got Justin Herbert late, la late in the first round last year. Yeah, but if your team was in the championship this year, you know, it's probably not just because of Justin Jefferson who didn't break out until week six or week seven. And it's not because, you know, Justin Herbert balled out for most of the season, but you probably had a good running back or two, a good tight end. It, it's the whole team. It's not just one player, or one trade that makes it. So, yeah, I'm, I'm with you guys. Uh, it's, it's, you know, one inch at a time in Dynasty. So – that was the news, and now we are going to go to what we saw on the timeline. And this first one here is from Corey at Corey D. Russo. Who do we like better in Dynasty? He says this is a 10-team PPR, but I think for the for the question, we can just uh, – doesn't matter what the, the league setting is. Uh, Javante Williams or Jalen Waddle? So, Katie, since you've been – looking at all of these players for a long time. Who do you, who do you like more? Do you like Javante or do you like uh, Waddle? I've been saying for at least three or four months to anybody and everybody that would listen, this running back class is weak. So if you get the chance to get one of the top three running backs and Javante Williams is one of those top three, you do it. The wide receivers are a dime a dozen. They're deep. And, and they are more, I wouldn't say team-specific, but role-specific. Unless you have the opportunity to get a real alpha dog wide receiver that's a game-changer like Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddle, I think he's going to be good. And I think he's going to be decent for fantasy purposes. But I, I, I just have more trust and faith in the running back some people look at Dynasty as a portfolio, and I'm just going to – I want something that will accrue in value that I can flip for X, Y, Z. I'm more of the – if I can flip a player, that's great, but my goal is to build a really solid team, a core of players that I can start and rely on with other guys that I can stream and have that constant pipeline of either picks or players coming in Guys, like, I don't want to have to rely on rookies. I want my dynasty core to be solid veterans to where 
my rookies, like I love Jerry Judy. He had a decent rookie season. A lot of people are already out on him. He's one of the best route runners that came out of Alabama, and he's got decent size. There's really nothing to say bad about him. He's got great hands. The only thing you could say bad about him is Drew Locke is his quarterback. But if Aaron <laughs> Rodgers goes there, can you imagine the spike in Jerry Judy's value? And if you're not patient in Dynasty, you're going to lose out. Like the, They're not a shiny new toy, so you trade them for this year's shiny new toy, and you hope that they hit. So Jalen Waddle strikes me as the type of player that will have his peaks and his valleys like anybody else, but wide receivers are really easy to obtain or stream on your fantasy you know, weekly starters. Is he going to be a weekly starter compared to Javonta Williams? Now, Williams has to contend with Melvin Gordon. However, he's aging. He's 27 years old. And we've seen it before. Cream rises to the top. Nick Chubb came to a crowded backfield. Alvin Kamara came to a crowded backfield. People faded him in rookie drafts because of the situation. They didn't have a clear starting path. Guys like Keyshawn Vaughn were escalated above and beyond where they should have been because they had a perfect landing spot. So I'm doing air quotes if anybody can't see me. And to me, I'd rather have the talent and I'd say positional scarcity plus talent. I would take Williams over Waddle. All right, Bill, we're hitting you up now. Are you are you Javanteing this or are you uh, you going with a little Waddle here? Yeah, I think, I mean, I'm, I'm Javante as well. Like, I, I mean, it's just solely exactly what Katie said at the end, the positional scarcity. I mean, you have to, you have to grab those and there's just like, I, I appreciate the talent of these wide receivers and, but like we know how the game is played where they spread the ball to every wide receiver. It's not like it once was where you had, two guys that were out there all the time. And then those are the guys that got all the targets. It's everybody's getting two, three targets. And then you really need these guys to hit as a, like keep like a, one of those top 12 wide receivers in the NFL, or else they just kind of fall into that puddle of 40 wide receivers. So why do you want to take somebody that's going to score the same as a guy that you can, you could trade for Cole Beasley or something. I mean, that's just because I traded for him, you know? So that's why I brought that up. But, um, but a player like that, you know, you get him for what a, a third round pick maybe now. And so like, that's the kind of thing, like you can spend your value in certain ways and just, I don't know which one of these wide receivers is going to hit. Like, I mean, obviously we all know at the top, you know, who they are, but like, once you get beyond that, uh, those obvious ones, your guess is as good as mine. So I'd rather go with the position that, you know, I know there's only a few in this draft. So the value in that way is already bumped up. And if somebody needs that position, I'm going to get more than I would if I drafted that wide receiver. And yeah. I, I love Tua. I do. I loved him in college, and I think that he will eventually be okay. But he's still learning. He just came off injury. He's, sure. he's still learning. He's, he's trying to learn the NFL game. To expect him to make a huge year-two leap to where he can distribute the ball to a ton of targets 
and and make Jalen Waddle fantasy relevant. I think that's more going to be Jalen Waddle year two, year three. And then I, I think that I could buy him for about the same price later on. But Javante Williams, I think, will rise in value more so in the first yep. year or two. And, and so that's part of the factor, too. Yeah, and I agree with both you guys. Shailen Waddle, to me, seems like the kind of guy he might he might go eight for 150 and two one week and then, like, two for 30 next week. And you're, you're like, not going to know when to start him because you're like, is, is this the week he blows up? Is this the week? And we're starting to see a trend. <laughs> and every year, every rookie draft, we're like, man, look at all these wide receivers. I mean, we said this last year. I mean, last year we yes, had two years. We had CeeDee Lamb come out. We had Justin Jefferson come out. We had T. Higgins come out. And those are the guys that hit. But we also had Henry Ruggs come out who didn't hit for you. We had uh, Jalen Rager who came out who didn't hit for you. So every year we're like, look at this group of receivers that's coming out. And Bill hit it on the head. Like you have your like top 15 guys. And then you got like 40 other guys that could be anywhere from wide receiver 16 to wide receiver 56. And you're just like, you don't know where they're going to end up. You know, like, Hey, you know, we've, we've been a pro Deontay Johnson uh, podcast since day one. Dude, Deontay Johnson could end up wide receiver 14 this year. He could end up wide receiver 34 this year. I mean, it's just like, we we don't know running backs. It's a lot different. If you you know who your elite guys are, that list ends real quick. So if those are if you have one of those guys, I you know Bill Bill said he made a trade. I made a trade today. I traded the the one hundred eight for Stephon Diggs. Well, the one hundred eight was Jalen Waddle. So pretty much, I traded Stephon Diggs for Jalen Waddle straight up. Like, I know what Stephon Diggs is going to be. Like, I, I know he's that dude. He's one of those top 15 guys that I just talked about. I, barring injury, obviously, I know he's going to be there. Like, Jalen Waddle, dude could be wide receiver 16. He could be wide receiver 60. Like, no idea what, what his, I mean, his range of outcomes is so wide that. And you just illustrated a great point, Josh. When it comes to dynasty, a lot of owners, they look at the shiny new toy and they undersell themselves. Like if you're going to take the risk, if you're going to assume the lion's share of the risk, and I and I don't mean the Detroit lion's share of the risk. <laughs> That's been a risk my whole life. Yeah, exactly. If, if you're taking the lion's share of the risk, you've got to give yourself several outs, just like in poker. Like if you're going to bet and go all in, then you better have several different players that can hit. If I'm going to trade the 108, I'm for Stefan Diggs, I want to get more than just Jalen Waddle to help insulate that risk, whether it's a future first or some other veteran player, something that I can use. You can't just trade one for one with a veteran of that kind of caliber. That is going to shoot you in the foot more than it's ever going to ever help you so if you know that there's risk there's inherent risk and if you're going to assume the risk you better insulate that risk by having multiple pieces that can hit and at the end of the day 
it may look like a huge win for you two years from now when Stefan Diggs is starting to slow down because he's a 28-year-old man. <laughs> but uh, Oh, yeah, you know, those are the days. Yeah, but <laughs> the whole point is by getting the multiple pieces, you at least give yourself a fighting chance. Even if you believe in Jalen Waddle, I get that. But give yourself the chance to tie the trade, not even win the trade, break even. Why would you trade to break even? You want to at least give yourself a chance if you're going to take that risk. It, it's hard, right? Like, cause like I get it. It's exciting. It, the, being in the draft is exciting. And and so I get it. And, and like you said, the shiny new toy and every, you know, the, every possibility could happen. You know, the, the, the ceiling is so high for everybody because you just, we don't know yet. And um, so it's like, I get it. And that's like the, where the, maybe the discipline, you know, kind of, that's important. And the experience as you go on, you, you kind of go, okay, maybe I don't want to do this, but you know, I mean, I, I've, I've made those trades before. I've, uh, I mean, we, I'm sure we all have at some point over time, but like, you know, I, I've, even today I made a trade for a, a veteran and I was like struggling to pull the trigger just because I'm like, man, you know, like, what am I giving up by, with this pick? And, uh, you know, it's just one of those things that we all have to fight and kind of take away like our heart and just use our logic here. And, and that's going to save you a lot. Right. Like you're old enough to know the game. Let's make a deal. <laughs> I, I'm harping on your age, Bill, because. No, it's cool. About it hey, I'm feeling it. So it's good. Yeah, no, it's all good. But let's make a deal. Do you want to take what you know or the shiny new toy behind box number two? And we'll give you a few yeah. hints about what's behind box number two. Mm-hmm. And it could be just a watermelon or yeah. it could be. A new car. Yeah, it's transportation. And then you open yeah. it, they pull it out and it's a burrow. So well, yeah, I mean, as long as it's a Joe Burrow, then that's cool. You know, that's <laughs> quarterback that's gonna be on your team for a decade. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> well, and and Bill is humble because he's in that draft with me, and I forgot where you started. You might have been 102 or something like that. And he has steadily just kept creeping back in this draft and just accumulating assets i mean it's just like he's like yeah i'm at 107 uh someone wants to trade for 107 okay cool like uh you give me deandre hopkins and chase edmonds and i'll give you this shiny 107 and people were like okay cool and he's like he's he's been a master at it and and another thing I'll, I'll say and the reason why i even thought that that obviously wasn't the original deal that was proposed to me but I watched what happened in another one of my rookie drafts where someone actually traded Stefan Diggs for the 106. And that deal went through. And I said, man, I wonder if that would work for the 108. And I just gave it a whirl and he hit accept on it. And I was like, I, I legitimately did not think he was going to hit accept. But I said, I want to try this because I saw someone else do it. And obviously if he does hit accept, I'm going to have Stefan Diggs. That's going to be pretty freaking awesome. So um, 
I'm a, I, I was also in a unique position because I have four first rounders in that one. So losing one wasn't like a huge deal to me, but like the fact that it worked, I was like, man, this is, this is freaking awesome. I got to do this more often. So yeah, you, you live and you learn. And with that experience, you, uh, you get a little bit better, but uh, let's swing it to, uh, to the next one here from CJ Brett, AKA the wolf at under siege 79. All about the rookie drafts right now. Yeah, we've been talking about it. But what about those that managed to win it all last year by selling away those assets? What's left for us after the rookie draft is over? Give me some of your favorite upside players you can get once the draft is over. And and before I pitch this to one of you guys, you you can trade back into the draft. I mean, trust me, I had a couple a couple teams that went far and they don't have picks. But you could get back in. I mean, you have you have assets, you have future picks that you can trade to get back in. So you, you don't just have to sit and twiddle your thumbs unless you want to, and that's that's fine too. If your team is stacked and you don't need any of these rookies, then just sit around. But uh, but Katie, who are, who are some guys that maybe are going to go late in your rookie drafts or? go undrafted that you, you you might have interest in in stacking on your team whether it's a taxi squad or maybe the last couple spots on your uh your roster yeah so i reached out to cj i followed him on twitter he was i made his day he was so excited he said uh it really is cinco de mayo the diva of debbie just followed me like this is so cool. <laughs> that's what's and- up because I wanted to ask him, what do you consider deep? Like, is your rookie draft three rounds? Is it four rounds? Like, how deep of a sleeper are you looking for? He said, in one, it was four rounds. The other that is just finishing up is three rounds. So the question really depends upon how deep you consider a rookie draft. If you've got three rounds of rookie drafts, guys that I like to target either as first priority waivers or end of the third round type guys would be, even though this is a very, very weak running back class, a running back that plays a specific role that's one injury away and has decent draft capital and decent metrics and size and and everything else has more, I think, of an opportunity than the wide receiver because the wide receiver market is so saturated. Let's say you hit on one of those later wide receivers. It's like throwing a stone in a in a pond that's 300 feet deep. You're just you're it's going to take a while to fill that up. There's so many wide receivers. Nobody's really going to give you value when they flash. Whereas with a running back, when they flash, their value boosts like sometimes insanely. And yeah. especially if the if the running back, the lead running back is out for any particular period of time. So a couple of guys, if it's three rounds or later, and even in four rounds and later that I'm looking at would be guys like Chris Evans. I think he's got the size. He's decent athlete. He has a receiving profile. So you want to have a guy that can not only tote the load, can run, and uh, another one, and I can't even really pronounce his name, is Kenne Nwangu. Yeah, Minnesota. Yeah, in Minnesota. Like, they seemingly drafted him as a special teams player. 
my buddy Scott Connor and he and I are pretty much lockstep. He's he's got more juice, I think, than just only a special teams guy. They may not be sold on Alexander Madison as the backup, or even if they are, this guy, if he plays special teams and if he has some juice and starts to flash, he could be a decent play. We know that Dalvin Cook has had an injury history in the past. Doesn't mean he's going to get injured, but um, just somebody that you want to keep your eye on. Those are the types of players that I would be looking at. Bill, any anyone that you've seen that you? Uh... Yeah, I mean, it's for. I mean, I agree. Running backs are what you should be going for later on. I mean, most of the wide receivers that are drafted late are totally and only like special teamers, um, unless they're like small school guys. I think that would be the only time I would say maybe that's not the case. Uh, but if it's like a big school guy that's getting drafted in the sixth round. The odds are he's a um, a special teamer. Um, so running back just gives you more opportunity, especially in the late NFL rounds. You know, if you're picking guys from back there, um, you know, I don't necessarily know. Like, I'm not good with knowing metrics and all that, but I, I like Jarrett Patterson um, getting picked up by Washington. I think that he could find a role there. Um just because he plays, he's a little different than the other backs they have, and and that's kind of what you got to look for is guys that just fill a different role. So, the guys like him, I mean, something that's interesting. At least I've seen it, and I mean, I don't know if this is even like I'm interested to hear what you think, Katie. But like, I know Tutu Atwell is like six inches tall and you know weighs about as much as my coffee mug here, but. You want to know the coolest stat about Tutu? Yes. Kyler Murray can set his beer mug on top of his head. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Um, so, like, he's been going in the fourth round. Like, so, like, for me, that's one of those things that I like to at least pay attention to is players who were drafted early but are, fall like, they're falling in the rookie drafts. And so, like, there's that's an inefficiency. Now, granted, he might not do anything, but at least he's somebody that I feel like they're at least going to give him a shot because he was drafted there. I mean, I get it, these speed guys, and I know he's probably going to be a special teams guy for them, but, like, these speed guys, sometimes that's all they're getting drafted for is to, you know, pull the defenses back a little bit. But, like, who knows? If he pops it a little bit, like, he's the, he's the kind of guy that I'm willing to take a risk later on in, the, like, the fourth round – um, and be content because I know I got such a huge deal in comparison to the NFL draft capital. Yeah. And Bill, you bring up a good point. I mean, even though I don't want Tutu Atwell on any of my teams ever, you, you bring up a good point. Like the Rams put up, you know, good draft capital to draft them. So obviously they are looking at him as, a piece of that offense. I don't know what that piece might be, but it, you know, this wasn't a six round guy that got, you know, taken in the, in the one nineties, you know, this is, this is a, you know, a high draft pick, high draft capital. And it is, it is good to find those somewhere. Um, uh, Katie knocked out some of the running backs. Uh, I think some, some tight ends, if you're in like these three round, four round drafts that may not go, uh, Hunter Long, uh, 
Boston College. He got drafted by Miami. Yeah, there's a ton of weapons there now. We talked about Jalen Waddle earlier. Uh, Will Fuller is there. Devontae Parker still putzing around. They already have Mike Gusecki, but just kind of looking at some of the stuff he did on tape, I think he can play a little bit. And, hey, if he's out there hanging out on your waiver wire after three rounds or four rounds, scoop him up, you know, especially if you're playing in any tight end premiums. And then another one, which is a lot deeper of a dive, is um, Kenny Yaboa. Uh, he got picked up by the Jets, and Katie don't like him, but, I mean – there was an immediate a, reaction. There's not a uh, there's not a path of resistance there. So um, I'm not saying he will be anything, but I like I like taking those guys that don't have a uh, they don't have to work through a lot of mess to uh, to get to playing time. So doesn't always work out. But if those are some of the guys hanging out on your uh, on your waiver wire, those would be a couple guys that I might keep an eye on. Katie says, don't keep an eye on Kenny Yaboa, but. I think that tight end takes so long. Even Hunter Long uh, will take so long. He's more of a blocking type guy. And he, he looked pretty good at Boston College, but I don't know that he's going to be employed in that same kind of way. Um, if, if you don't get Pitts or Fryermuth in this year's class, I like Tommy Treble. He's a little bit intriguing for where he went, but really, I mean, I like my quarterbacks and my tight ends on the older side. I like my wide receivers and my running backs on the younger side. And it's partly because it takes that long at the quarterback and the tight end position to really come into your NFL game. And rather than go with the highs and the lows of the rookie, this and that, and then eventually by the time you give up and you drop him on waivers, then all of a sudden he's the next gold standard and you've already been over him. Like let somebody else make that mistake and clog their roster, even in tight end premium. Like that's a big, huge, huge long shot in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I hear you. Um, I think, I think the reason why, why I pose those two guys, I mean, Hunter Long, yes, but especially Kenny Yaboa. Like, if he is ever to become something, I agree with you. I think it's going to be a very long play. But I think as a championship team, I think you can – you have the ability to take more of those risks, especially if you think your team can contend for more than just this year. If you think you're kind of geared up for one year, these may not be the guys you want to take. But if you think you have – two years out of your team to contend and, and be a contender for the championship every year. You know, I'm not, I'm not opposed to stashing those guys and just seeing, and if not, I mean, you have, you have Thaddeus Moss and then you just kick him to the curb. Mm-hmm. And- well, <laughs> and see, that's where our mentality with tight ends is a little different yours and mine. And, 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 you know, Hey, it's whatever, you know, but like, I kind of agree with Katie here is like, I'd rather put like running backs like on my taxi and, and hope one of those guys hits because the likelihood of one of the non, you know, premier tight ends in the draft. I mean, just think about all those, like, um, uh, who was the, uh, Oliver, you know, Oliver was like a huge hyped up tight end. You know, there's so many of these tight ends and we don't even know the right guys to take. And I mean, I guess that, that kind of goes along with your argument a little bit is like, you know, George Kittle 
like who was taking George Kittle like in that draft rookie draft, you know? And like, I mean, it was the athleticism and that was the big thing. And so like, if I would say, if I am going to like take a tight end and throw him on my taxi squad, it's going to be a guy who's got monster athleticism because those are the guys that I think have the chance to pop early or, or later, you know what I mean? They're just, I'm worried about just having somebody sitting on my taxi squad and not providing me any opportunity, I guess that first year, or, you know, I'd just rather have a running back in there. Or, and hear me out. Uh, you, you're the, you're one of the contenders. You're the 10, 11, 12 of whatever round three, four trade the pick to somebody that's willing to take that shot for a future. Let's say you get, you trade the fourth for a future third. Okay, so then you t- next year you trade that third for a future yep. second, and you're already a contender. Yep. So you don't even need to take those picks. You don't have to take that risk. If you're a contender, just trade those picks, the later ones. You want to consolidate or help them, use them to help you move up yep. to get that Jamar Chase or Najee Harris or whoever that can help your team in the near future as opposed to a long shot. And then eventually that long shot will end up on the waiver wire and you can get them for a dollar. <laughs> Katie, what is your rankings of the top three running backs? I don't do rankings, but or who would you there, pick first? I guess is my so, question. Right. So as my personal preference, Najee Harris by far is the, is the one Travis Etienne is not that far behind. And then Javante Williams. Okay. Yeah. I, I love it. And, and I love your, I don't want to say strategy, but your 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 thought process about what to do with those picks. It's something that I like to do when I can. You know, if I have two seconds, say I have like a, a 205 and a 209, you know, I'll try to I'll try to boost those up and I'll start with 201 when he gets on the clock. And I'm like, hey, do you want two picks instead of one? He might say yes, he might say no. Next guy, hey, do you want two picks instead of one? And even if I just move up to 203 there's probably going to be a guy i like a lot more than at 205 or or at 209 because especially this year i mean i think maybe the max you like in this draft would be 206 i think that's where the cutoff is and some people may say it's even sooner than that this year but yeah i I like doing that too or i like trading for future picks I mean, hell, if somebody's like, hey, here's, you know, you have this 2021 or fourth, excuse me, um, I'll give you a pick in like 2023. Like, yeah, like, cool, whatever. Like, you don't care about it because it's two years away, but it's going to be a way better pick than whatever this 404 is that I have going on right now. And I can move that for something, too, in a deal during the season if I need to grab a player. Or, you know, like you said, in that draft, I can move it to get something else. So the nice thing about future picks, people discount them, especially the further away they are. They Mm -hmm. discount them. That's I don't know why, but that's the nature. A first does not take up any roster space. That's exactly it. A future pick does not take up any roster space. And having them is like having money in your bank account as opposed to trading away your future picks for now assets 
you're basically paying with a credit card. Mm -hmm. And then next year you're going to trade to get into the first to get that shiny new toy. And it's going to cost you a lot more than if you would have just kept the pick in the first place. Even the 112 in most rookie drafts, you could still flip that for the future first plus maybe a second round pick. Mm -hmm. That's just a pretty much given unless it's an incredibly weak class. And even in a weak class, there's always shiny new toys. So accruing as many future picks, especially if you're a contender is a great strategy because again, you're just building your bank account and then you can spend it when you feel like you need to spend it. If you need to spend it in season because you got injuries and you're about to go in the playoffs and you just lost Saquon Barkley to an injury or Christian McCaffrey to an injury, well then by gosh, you've got the capital and you don't even have to trade. You can trade your own future pick. You don't even have to trade the best of your firsts. If it looks like a weak team, you can trade your own pick and somebody's willing to bite. Yep. I dig it. I love it. And and this, this merges perfectly with our next question, which is from PTW fantasy at PTW fantasy. Is it better to grab your guy way too early in a rookie draft or trade down and risk missing out and settling? And, you know, I, I think it's a mix. You know what I mean? Like there, there's certain guys that I want to get. They're usually like more top of the, you know, top of the draft guys. But I mean, I, I also am like, I, I'm such a logical trader. I'm always like, the, does this trade make sense? Am I way overpaying? I don't mind overpaying a little bit, but am I like selling the farm to get this one guy? So you know, I will say at a point, even if it's a guy I love, like, all right, I'm, I just, I can't do it for the price that you're asking for and I'll move on. But, you know, I, you know, I'm kind of like a mix of, of both. Like I will try to trade up and get my guy or, or take my guy earlier if I can't trade back down. But there are also times that I won't, you know, I won't sell the farm just to get, you know, Justin Fields or Trey Lance, you know, or Najee or Pitts or whatever the case may be. Bill, what, what's your what's your strategy? What's your thought process on it? I'm very rarely trading up um, and oh, quote unquote overpaying for a player. Um, I don't trust myself, my evaluations to like I don't I know I'm not smarter than an NFL team, right? So uh, I'm very much I mean maybe I'm more logical yeah. maybe, but um I just I feel like I'm not going to I don't have guys typically. There's guys I like, but usually what I'm doing is I'm looking like okay, in the top, you know, there's these tiers of rookies. Who do I like in this grouping? So maybe I move move up a little bit to grab uh, like positional scarcity, you know, like maybe there is a, a running back in this tier that I like, and I want to make sure I get them. Then maybe I'll pop up and do something, but I'm never like going to move from like, you know, 112 down to 102 because I truly believe like this guy, uh, unless, well, that's a bad example. <laughs> like, I just feel like, if I'm out like this year, for example, like I think that there's like a top 
seven in super flex leagues that you you see and probably a top six that go almost in every super flex league like if i'm at 106 i'm fine with whoever gets falls to me i don't necessarily feel like i need to trade up to 102 unless it's for me to get a position i want so right. uh, i'm not typically doing that i'm just gonna let it fall where the chips may you know so what about what about you katie all right so first of all i want to say hey j2dub Good question. These guys didn't answer your question, so I'm going to answer your question. Cool. The question is, do you take your guy, even if he's not ADP where he should be, or do you trade back and risk losing that guy? It's not about trading up. It's oh, about oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Then it's I, I just take back. my guy. So the question is, and I'll give you a couple of examples. A couple years ago, I've been following A.J. Brown since he was a freshman. He was my favorite wide receiver in Debbie as a wide receiver, even though he wasn't the top in ADP. I had scouted him the whole story. After his freshman season, the only thing that kept me from getting multiple extra shares of him was that he also was playing baseball. And he had uh, San Diego, I believe, had already drafted him as a center fielder even though he was still playing in college. And so I wasn't sure at that point if he was going to, and I didn't want to take the risk in Debbie, but in rookie drafts, a lot of people faded AJ Brown because of his landing spot in Tennessee. His ADP was somewhere around 110 to 203, 204 Mm -hmm. that year. I had the 107 and I felt that was a little bit too early to take AJ Brown, even though I loved him. He's my guy but I felt like it was a little bit too early. So I traded back just two spots. And what I got in return was Robert Foster. Yeah. And, and then AJ Brown was taken and I was heart. I was sick and I'm still sick. So the answer is if you've got conviction on a dude like this year is Rashad Bateman, he's got a lousy landing spot. There's a bunch of wide receivers in that same range. ADP wise, in Superflex, Rashad Bateman's going mid-second. But if you're at the 202 and you can't trade back and you love Rashad Bateman, gosh dang it, take Rashad Bateman. Or yep. whoever your guy is, I advocate take your guy. If you can't trade, don't get cute. Stick to your guns. Take your guy. This is fantasy. At the end of the day, you're going to feel sick if you lose your guy for something for a cute little trade back. And that's actually exactly a part of what I was going to say. And then I completely spaced was that this is entertainment at the, at the end of the day, you know, for a lot of people, I mean, I know some people do it like, you know, as a business and that sort of thing, but like for the majority of us, this is entertainment dollar. And so don't overthink stuff, you know, like, because the percentage of you being right between this guy and that guy, because this is the ADP like the the difference is so minor like even if you feel you're taking them early like his hit might be let's say 38% you know the possibility and this other person's 42% are you really going to be that upset you know so yeah i agree 100% with Katie go for it um you know i mean obviously within reason right i mean you don't want to take a guy that's four rounds away. Like, <laughs> Correct. 
and but if if they're within a within six yeah. to eight players, yep. mm-hmm. you cannot trade back and get a decent value. And I don't believe in trading back just to trade back and get a marginal small piece. Right. So if you're going to trade back with risk to lose your guy, you better make it good. I've been burned. I know I've learned and I'm trying to help others. That's what I do. So to answer your question, P2Dub, if your guy is one of the guys that you've got conviction on and everybody in fantasy thinks that he's got decent value there's a tier of six to eight guys, and especially if it's wide receiver. If it's a wide receiver, take your man. Yep. And don't get cute. I mean, that's the magic. That's like something you should always use as a mantra, really. And, and it, it's funny because I, I haven't been I haven't been playing Dynasty as long as as either of you have. And another old comment. Yeah, I know, right? They're adding but, up. But, <laughs> listen, Bill is old. Katie's just just a diva, so it doesn't, right. don't matter. But divas AJ, never age. AJ Brown was my first introduction into like, dude, like why why are you letting the outside noise cloud what you feel about the guy? Because I, I I was like I loved AJ Brown going into that draft, loved him. Then he went to Tennessee, and you heard the echo chamber. Marcus Mariota sucks. That team doesn't even throw the ball a lot. It runs through Derrick Henry. You heard everything. You heard all of that. And just I just – Lamar Jackson now with Rashad Bateman. You, exactly I just the same. walked into the middle of the echo chamber, and I was like, oh, my God, I can't take I can't take A.J. Brown. Like, all of this stuff that these people are – and I just watched smart people – just scoop them up and scoop. And obviously all those smart people now are very happy with their AJ Brown investment, or they're happy with the return they got once they traded AJ Brown, whatever the case may be. And I'm sitting here like, I didn't get any AJ Brown and mm-hmm. I, I feel worse about it. And, and since that day, I was like, you know what? I'm going to take my guy. I don't care if the, community laughs at now oh, you took a guy earlier than you were supposed like bill nailed it this is entertainment you know what i'm gonna be happier taking the guy that i believe in and the guy that i think is gonna be a, a baller over another player that someone else says is gonna be a baller and then even if they both flame out i'm gonna be way happier with the guy that i liked on my team than i am with someone else well, let's think about this, right? Like you, you get these picks for free. So what are you really losing? You know, every year you get more of these things. So if it doesn't work, all right, you just, it's a lost opportunity. That's it. Yeah. You make your team worse. And, and it's, it's funny because I, I took a guy that, uh, I took a guy today actually that, that Katie uh, tweeted about a couple days ago and Katie, I think you'll remember this once I start reading it. Which rookie QB got the exact draft capital and landing spot expected, got O-line help early, got two dynamic offensive weapons early, and is sliding to 108 to 111 and super flex rookie draft since this happened. And K- Katie knows who, you know, obviously she wrote the tweet. She know I took I took Zach Wilson today at 
105. And I know a lot of people were like, 105 is too early for my man Zach. But I mean, in my opinion, this is just my opinion, in a super flex draft, it should your first four picks should be quarterbacks. That's just me. Katie's nodding. I love Katie nodding her head no at me. Because I, I love I love the differing opinion. But so Zach Wilson should be in a super flex draft, should be one of the top four picks. But Katie, you've been nailing it. I've been in other rookie drafts where Zach Wilson is like 108, 109, and it's like I don't understand why. Right. And not only all of those things that you mentioned and that I mentioned on that tweet, and then I also added one other thing. Andy has the clearest path to starter. Like he's going to be the starter day one for the Jets. That's not necessarily great when it comes to quarterback. I think quarterbacks do need to be groomed. And Patrick Mahomes learned a lot by sitting behind Alex Smith. So I think that Trey Lance sitting behind Jimmy Garoppolo is not a bad thing. I think that's going to help him. I think Justin Fields sitting behind Andy Dalton, if that happens, will help him and and give him time to learn the playbook and learn. The game speed is so much faster at the NFL. The windows are so much tighter. You know, the, the uh, play calling and just, you know, you may have been always taking from a shotgun snap as a quarterback in college. And now all of a sudden you got to learn the three-step, five-step, seven-step drop. You got to be able, the vision is different. You got to be able to read the defenses and the defense is stronger than what you had ever faced before, even if you're in the SEC. So, yeah. All of those factors, a lot of it is between the ears with a quarterback that we don't get to scout. We don't get to see how quickly they can calculate, how quickly they can learn everything. And just like a wide receiver, learning the playbook and learning how to run routes in the scheme of the offense, working in conjunction and coordination with your teammates so that you're either pulling the defense away or you are a secondary read or a third read, you're available for the quarterback coming back to the ball. Just these little nuances, rather than thinking on game day, you want your guys to be fluid and just automatic. Like it happens that takes time. And so any rookie quarterback is going to, to struggle. And then on top of that, if you don't have a good offensive line and you're constantly being rushed, then you start to see ghosts and you start to get skittish. You start to doubt yourself. There's so many things that are working against a rookie quarterback and quarterbacks, rookie quarterbacks, especially the average hit rate is two per year, two per year. And there's five that went in round one. Mm -hmm. So tell me now who, who five years from now, who will still be a starter? You can't tell me that. I can't tell you that. So you want to take your shots, but you also, to me, you want to get the best value. And so if you're taking four quarterbacks, five quarterbacks in a row at the beginning of a rookie draft, you're paying the same price for 105 as the 101. You're just taking higher risk because you get the worst of the five picks. So if there's some space, I want the Mac Jones at 110 or 204. I want Zach Wilson at 107, 109, a little bit of space let at least some of the running backs and wide receivers go off the board, but to take four or five in a row at the beginning of a rookie draft, that to me doesn't make value. Everybody is the same price. You're paying the same price for Trevor Lawrence and the guy with Trevor Lawrence is feeling pretty good 
basking in the glow that this is an elite talent that is generational. And I don't believe in that word. It's way over. <laughs> but every year. Yeah. But you know what I'm saying? So like, I do think that Zach Wilson is a hardworking guy. I've got a friend of mine that lives in Utah, knows the family. He's a great kid, comes from great cloth. He's a bookworm. He loves to read the playbook. He loves to watch film. He worked with Drew Brees in California with John Beck training camp. So he does a lot of the work that you would expect and want. He's not just, he looks like a smarmy little guy, a smarmy little kid that is just (laughs) like, eh. But no, this guy's a hardworking guy. So for Zach Wilson, what I'm saying is if he drops to seven, eight, nine, ten in your super flex, that is value. That is great value. Yeah, and I, you know, again, it, it's kind of it's it's so interesting to hear you talk about it because we, you know, you're you're believing in the value there, and I'm kind of. I've I've said this whole time, by the way, and I'm not going to stop saying it now. I personally felt that Zach Wilson was the QB four in this class pre-draft, but everything that you outlined, I mean, the Jets really made a concerted effort to not do to him what happened to Sam Darnold. I mean, you know, they they traded up 10, 11 picks to get another offensive linemen because they understood that besides Makai Becton, they didn't have anyone else there that could protect their new quarterback. They traded premium assets to get that guy, but it's what, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, all right, they're really, you know, and then they go out, they, you know, they get a Michael Carter, they get, you know, they, you just look by their draft and what they did in free agency with Corey Davis, that they're really trying to actually build an offense around a quarterback and not just throw him out there and hope that he survives. Now, none of that means that Zach Wilson is going to become the next elite quarterback. Obviously he could still flame out even with the weapons and the offensive line and everything around him. But I was actually impressed by what the jets did. And that's a weird sentence to say, but I was impressed by what the jets did because they could have stayed at, well, I think they picked either 23 or 24 in the first round. And they could have stayed there and they could have gotten whoever the best available offensive lineman was or the best available receiver. But they traded up because they really felt that Elijah Vera Tucker was going to be an elite offensive lineman and they wanted that for their guy. They didn't just want to hope that the guy at 23 was going to be on that same level. And, you know, it's, it it impressed me. And that's the reason I I started liking Zach a little bit more because I was like, man, they're really, they're putting everything around them. So if he's going to win, he's going to win. And if he's not going to win, then obviously, like we've been saying, it doesn't matter what you put around a guy. I mean, we were talking about Drew Locke earlier. Drew Locke has a whole bunch of stuff on offense and a pretty good defense, and, you know, he didn't win. What's going on, Bill? You're muted. Still muted. So uh, Steve in the uh, peanut gallery just had a quick question, and 
Katie, just, you know, however you want to, um, you, you know, cliff notes or whatever, how would you approach a complete rebuild? I've either done it because I took over an orphan that was bad. And I, I mean, I've, I, I like to do that as part of a challenge. I've got yeah. a lot of different dynasty teams. I like startups. I like dispersal drafts and I like the orphan rebuild. I have never honestly had to rebuild one of my own teams. So that's a good thing, a good sign. But as far as how do you approach a rebuild, you have to be patient. You have to get maximum value for the assets that you have. For example, I just took over an orphan. The best asset in a super flex that they had was Josh Allen. And I tried to trade Josh Allen before the, it's a rookie and Debbie. Debbie is very risky. As much as I love Debbie, I have the, you know, presence of mind to be able to say, look, you want multiple shots. It is high risk, but it can be high reward. If you have the capability to look beyond the rankings that everybody puts out and just look at players and you love college football and you want to watch a little bit of film and learn about the players and that's me. So I, I feel very confident in my own talent. But so Josh Allen, my key piece, and really not a whole lot else. I had the 101 pick in the draft. It's tight end premium 1.75. And even though I could have got Zach Wilson, I took Kyle Pitts at the, at the 101. I figure I want good players. I want players that are going to hit. And I felt that the likelihood Kyle Pitts – is going to hit compared to Zach Wilson, the quarterback, when there's five quarterbacks taken, I will take my shot with the tight end, especially he has a great landing spot in Atlanta. A lot of people are like, yeah, well, Atlanta has a lot of weapons. Okay, true. But look what Atlanta's done with tight ends in the past, Austin Hooper, Hayden Hurst. Like, I think that even if Julio Jones does get traded, he's a wide receiver in a tight end body. He just has the tight end by name. Like he can, he can play off the line. He can play on the line. He's, he's a great blocker, but he's a, he's a kind of guy that can get downfield. And I think he averaged like 18.1 yards per catch, uh, which is insane for a tight end. Exactly. And he's athletic and he's big and he's everything. So why not build around him rather than Zach Wilson, who is a big question mark. I like his skill set, but there's a lot of other guys and playing the patient game, realizing, okay, I'm going to build around what I've got. I couldn't trade Josh Allen for a big windfall. So I'm going to continue to build. He's still young. I got Kyle Pitts. Now I've got Josh Allen. I've got Daniel Jones and uh, Kirk cousins. Eventually in season, I might be able to flip yep. Kirk Cousins for something decent, but you got to be patient. You can't try to flip everything right now. It's a rookie Debbie draft, and yes, extra picks would be great. But if your league isn't feeling it, you can't just sell for peanuts. You cannot because that will hurt your rebuild. So you've, you've got to be patient in a rebuild, and there's certain buy-sell windows. So take your best shots during the rookie draft. Try to get extra picks, especially like – I traded for a couple of extra fifth round picks just to put a couple of guys on. If they start to strike, then I can continue to maybe move up, take yeah. that 
that guy that was a fifth round pick, trade him for a future third in season or something. I mean, just try to get the maximum out of every piece. I've still got Cole Beasley on my roster. He's an aging guy, but he's a prolific weapon. And in season, if it, I mean, right now is not the time. He's not hot. He's not sexy. Nobody likes a ginger. But in season, sorry, Bill. No, it's cool. I'm slamming you indirectly all night long. No, I'm actually blind here. So <laughs> okay, so. it's it's kind of the lighting <laughs> yeah. makes it look. But anyway, the whole point is his best trade window will be in season. And so you've got to recognize off season, rookie season, in season, all of those different buy and sell window opportunities and just continue to pound away. Don't shoot for the moon with one big, huge trade build and, and realize, and I've flipped teams in one year's time with this process. And if you want to hit me up on Twitter, feel free at FF underscore Skylar 399. I'll take a look at your roster and I'll give you actionable items if you want. That, that, there uh, you go. That That's awesome. It, and Katie, I love, the, I love the part where you said, I snagged a couple extra fifths and if one of those guys pops, because – Bill and I talk about it all the time. Obviously, he's super duper flex, so it's it's always super flex with us, you know. But like when the rando backup quarterback comes in because the starter got hurt, like if that guy, you know, if we know the the starter is going to be out three weeks, four weeks, and that first week that backup just like goes off, it's like, yo, do you want this guy for a second? Do you want this guy for a third? And you know. In three weeks, four weeks, that guy might be a pumpkin again, never to score points. But we, you know, we snag, you know, a second or a third, which we can obviously either, like we said earlier, make that pick or we can do what we said, try to move up, try to move it for a future later pick during. And what you said is so true about like kind of the seasons of dynasty football. Like right now, a guy like Cole Beasley. It, he ain't going to get you nothing. You know, he's, you know, a third, oh, I'll give you a third round rookie pick, you know, but during the season, that dude will have like three straight games where it's like, wow, he is great. And someone is like, I'll give you, I'll give you a high second for you. All right, cool. Like, let's, let's get it done. Let's go. You know, I'm not contending you are. And I mean, last year in a 16 team super flex, I bought Andy Dalton the week before he got his head almost taken off for first round pick. And then I went out and bought Drew Brees for another first round pick. Now I won the league, but you know, those are guys that during, you know, during last off season, everyone was like, Drew Brees has only got, you know, a year, maybe two left. You know, you were, you know, no, that guy wasn't going to get a first during the off season for Drew Brees. But now, you know, during the season he's playing well. And of course I brought, I bought Drew Brees a week before he got hurt, but you know, that guy got a first out of me because I was contending. I was, you know, I was trying to get wins and I didn't care about picks. So it's all about just kind of the seasons of, you know, those rookie picks aren't going to be worth as much in October because the draft is still so many months away. So it's all, it's all about, as Bill said earlier, targeting the inefficiencies and, and building your team up like that. Uh, you know, I love it, you know, so, 
on that note, I think we hit, uh, I think we hit all the high notes. So Katie, I want to thank you for coming on. Really appreciate it. Uh, I love what what you do. I follow you. You're, you know, I talk about, you know, I tell people all the time, if you're not into the, uh, scouting rookies and kind of it's everyone has an opinion, but like find the people that like really know what they're doing and really know what they're talking about and give yourself a small group of people to work off of. And you're in that small group of people that I work off of. So it's awesome to have you on the show. We've done a couple of pods together in the past, but it's good to finally get you on here and, uh, and talking about, you know, one of our favorite times of the year, rookie draft season. So thank you. Please let everybody know where they can find you, what you're doing and what you're up to. Thank you, Josh and Bill, you guys, I love you guys. And thank you so much for the invite. Always glad to talk about rookie drafts, you know, strategies, anything, whatever it takes. Fantasy football is a great, I would say sport, but it's a game. It's fun. And, and you got to have fun with it. So I am at FF underscore Skylar 399 on Twitter. I am the diva of Debbie. You can Listen to me on Under the Helmet podcast. We come out on Wednesdays on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. I'm also on Off the Rails podcast, which right now it's the somewhat, but we're going to really ramp it up so that we're more of a weekly show. And I'm on a lot of different guest spots, and I tweet and retweet those. I just did a really fun mock draft last night with a great group of guys from Dynasty uh, HQ and, uh, you know, Jeremy Brown, Michael Sipes, and Shane is the worst. And, <laughs> and uh, you know, Scott Connor was there and Kyle Point and, oh, uh, yeah, uh, Swags, uh, Shane Swags, and just a whole bunch of really great guys, John Dabari. So uh, if you really want to hear a great conversation about Superflex Rookie, it's going to be in two parts. And I just posted part one on Twitter earlier today. So, I really appreciate it, guys. Thank you very much for having me join you. Awesome. And, you know, we want we want to thank everybody in the chat, too. The chat uh, chat keeps it lit. The chat keeps us going. We had we had Steve in there. Uh, I think he's trying to trying to actually get help for a team uh, in a league that Bill and I are in. So, uh, Katie, don't help him. No, I'm just kidding. Katie will help you even if I tell her not to. So it doesn't matter what I say. My new BFF, Steve. <laughs> uh, we had we had J Mike in there. We had our, our boy Drew in there. We had Lindsey Kennedy. Thank you all. Thank you everyone else who just popped in and just took a look. Uh, appreciate it. Uh, if you found us on YouTube, hit subscribe. Hit the bell. If you're listening to us in podcast form, hit subscribe so that you know when we uh, when we're out there. And Bill, with all that being said. We're out of here. Late.